right. Um, it's wonderful to see you all and welcome to this special event. I'm very excited you're here with us today to examine this topic, this question of is there a message in the mayhem? Uh, there is mayhem, that's for sure. And some of us are feeling it more personally than others, but nonetheless, whether it's in our personal life, our family life, our society, our neighborhoods, our work situation, our church context, uh, there is a certain amount of craziness that what this situation has brought to us. So the question is, at least one of the main questions is, is there a message in it? Is there something for us to understand? And that's what we're going to be exploring today. And I know we have people here from all kinds of backgrounds. Many of us are from the International Churches of Christ, but certainly not all of us. Some of us uh, are from different parts of these islands uh, and some of us from further afield. So we've got lots of different backgrounds and interests here today, which I think is all the better because it, it will enrich our conversations later when we break out into discussion groups. But I'll explain uh, more of that, about that uh, a little bit later. Um, so what are we here to do? We're not here to find an answer. Uh, I don't believe there is one answer. We're here to explore. We're asking the question about the message in the mayhem, and we're helping each other to explore what might be the message for us personally and perhaps our society, uh, maybe even globally. So it's more about that. Um, let me tell you what's coming up, if you don't already know. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask Sandra Azilo to pray for us, so you can unmute yourself in a moment, Sandra, and pray for us. I think that would be appropriate. Then uh, we're going to watch the two lessons that have been pre-recorded. So first, Chris Bertels will be speaking, and then Simon Dinning. Those are about 15 minutes each. We'll just watch them one after the other. And after that, I will send us into breakout rooms for discussion in groups of around nine uh, people each. And I'll explain more about that in a little while. And we'll have 20 minutes, maybe a bit more for discussion. And we'll come back together and wrap up and finish with a prayer and prepare for next week. If you'd like to come back, we've got another session next week. So that's what's coming up. If you have any questions or you want to message me about anything, send me a message in the chat box. Or if you know me personally enough to know my phone number or something, then feel free to drop me a text or a WhatsApp. But somewhere or other, I'm sure we can get messages across uh, if we need to. Right, I think that's all I need to say for the moment. I'm going to ask Sandra to pray for us and then we'll watch the first talk by Chris Bertels. So Sandra, can you pray for us if you would? Thank you, Malcolm. <clears throat> Father God, thank you for bringing everyone here this morning. God, thank you for your messages. God, thank you for your Bible. Father, thank you for um, people who are really just trying to figure out if there's a message, God, in all of this. Father, because there is a huge mayhem. There are people dying in this COVID. There are people dying because of the color of their skin, our sisters and brothers in America. Father God, and other countries as well. Father, we don't understand why all this is happening. Father, Please, God, help us to understand. Help us, Lord, if there's something we can do to stop all this, God. Help us to understand. Help us to reach out to a world which is hurting, God. In pain, Father God, help us, Lord. Help each and every one of us to step out of our comfort zones and try to figure out how we can be part of the solution mm. and not part of the problem. Father, we love you, and I thank you so much for this um, time today to explore, to find out, if there is a message, Father, help us with this. Help us with understanding. Help us to listen closely. Help us to speak wisely. Help us, Father God. Help us. Father, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Thank you very much, Sandra. Uh, one last thing before I uh, share Chris's lesson. You may find if you've got bandwidth problems, turning off your video during the lesson might help you. Just uh, a tip in case that's useful. All right, let me go ahead and share my screen and give you Chris Bertels here. Hello, thank you for supporting this event. And my role in this first session is to consider suffering in its biblical context. What does the Bible say about it? How does God feel about it? And how should we respond? I always find uh, it helpful to look at a big picture. And uh, I find a big picture presented by uh, John Walton, who you'll be familiar with if you see my recent series um, in Thames Valley, um, which he relates, uh, which pretty much explains the whole situation of creation and suffering within creation. And he uses three terms, non-order, order and disorder. And if we go to the very beginning of Genesis, when the earth is covered in sea, that is a representation of non-order. In most of the ancient world, it'd be viewed as a symbol of chaos. But in the Bible, being monotheistic, it's somewhat different. So it's more appropriate to say non-order. But essentially, the message is that the cosmos is not yet where God wants it to be. So we then get the seven-day model of creation in which God orders the cosmos to fit in with his plan for his intentions for nature for the cosmos for humans within it and God at the end of the seven days or as he goes through it step by step declares what he has made to be good so God has created an environment in which all nature and humans can flourish so good basically means everything is doing what it was created to do the sun and the moon give off light the birds fly, the fish swim, etc., etc. So when we consider the role of humans within that ordered environment, made in his image, we should think about the nature of how God is seen through creation, through the creative process. And God is a generous God, giving, um, providing for his creatures. And so the human um, role within that as stewards should be to reflect that same generous loving provision that God has used in the uh, six days of creation. So then of course we get to the story of Adam and Eve and the fall and whether you believe that to be literal or metaphorical or somewhere in between it is a situ it's a description of humans rejecting what God determined as good and trying to define good in their own terms and the result of that was disorder so where God had intended humans to live in peace and harmony caring and nurturing nature instead we see signs of disorder so we have human violence and oppression beginning with Cain son of Adam killing his own brother we also see violence against uh, nature in terms of cruelty, um, mistreatment of animals and, uh, and the environment. And nature too was not immune, even if not directly from human intervention, through things like disease and natural disaster. We can see as symbols of 
disorder and the ultimate symbol of disorder is death. So although I would see death as being something that was um, in existence um, prior to the tree of life, the tree of life is, um, is with the antidote which because of the fall is now denied so it becomes the ultimate symbol of disorder. So when we encounter disorder it makes us feel vulnerable or it exposes to us how vulnerable we actually are and in the Psalms we see God's people exposed to this vulnerability and crying out to God for rescue for salvation but there is a statement of faith in these pleas because they are recognizing that God made something good as Genesis told us and one day God is going to make it right again and so they're pleading with God whether it be in terms of their own individual plight or the plight of Israel as a whole for God to do that for God to put their situation or the nation's situation right so it's a statement of faith that God will restore the goodness of his creation Unfortunately, many people see suffering as a reason to reject God, whether to say I'm not worshipping a God like that or to deny his very existence, which is tragic because the Bible tells a very different story about how God feels about suffering because the Bible tells us that Jesus was the full image of God. Jesus embodied God in human form. And what we see in the life of Jesus is the heart of Jesus and therefore the heart of God and we see Jesus when he encounters disorder striving to overcome it so he heals the sick and disabled he uh, feeds the hungry he exercises demons he calms the storm so whenever Jesus sees people in distress he tries to provide comfort and healing and, and restoration and in the cross we see both the enormity of the problem that needed to be solved that was producing this disorder but we also see the extent to which God was prepared to go in order to defeat disorder and re-establish the original goodness of his creation. And Jesus willingly submitted himself to the human face of disorder, the Romans and the, the Jews, and went to the cross in order through his death to ultimately defeat death and disorder. So through his resurrection he attained a body that was no longer subject to disorder, no longer subject to death and decay. So it was a form of new order or a, as it's described in the Bible, new creation. So ultimately, the Bible tells us that we will share in that. We too will receive at the resurrection bodies that are not subject to death and decay. And the ultimate picture is described at the virtually the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, where it says in the first four, four, four verses, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. 
for the first things have passed away. So notice there the sea was no more. So that picture of non-order or disorder is completely removed. There is perfect harmony between the cosmos and God's purpose for the cosmos. And what does that look like? There will be no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. Obviously for now that is something in the future, something we hope for. But there is a new reality, a new order already since Jesus' resurrection called the kingdom of God, a place in which we can live as humans were created to live and be transformed through God's love and also have a transformative effect on the world around us. For the time being, because Jesus has yet, has yet to, to come and ultimately uh, manifest the, the fullness of the resurrection, the kingdom of God exists within what the Bible calls the present evil age, the age that exhibits these signs of disorder or the, the suffering we've talked about in its various forms. And Christians and non-Christians alike are still subject to the effects of this disorder. However, in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So through the resurrection we are reconciled to God, and though we may suffer the effects of disorder, we can no longer be separated from God. In other words, we have been equipped to fulfil the original vocation given to humans to reflect God's love onto the world and have that transformative effect over disorder. So it's our task to, to be transformed but also to transform. Thinking of uh, an example of overcoming disorder, um, it seemed... Um, obvious to me to use the case of Dunkirk when I saw that this week is the 80th anniversary and it's a remarkable example of humans coming together to overcome uh, disorder, to, to literally physically rescue those facing death and taking them back to safety. But it's actually not simply a secular analogy, it's actually quite a pertinent and spiritual example. So Dunkirk, about 375,000 troops, British largely, also some French, were trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk, surrounded by the German army, and Britain was, like France, facing humiliation and defeat. But King George VI, the present Queen's father, called for a National Day of Prayer on the 26th of May 1940 and he called on the British people to get on their knees 
and in a spirit of humility plead with God for deliverance and the British people responded and what happened next is known as the miracle of Dunkirk. So the day after the National Day of Prayer the fleet that a small team had managed to assemble in a matter of days of a fleet of civilian vessels over 800 began to set sail for France and it's an incredible story of how these ordinary civilians put their own safety to one side and sailed into literally a war zone and put their own lives at risk in order to save their fellow countrymen and when the evacuation was first planned Churchill was trying to to get about 30,000 he thought that was the minimum number we needed to defend Britain and staggeringly these civilians in conjunction with the Royal Navy managed to bring back 340,000 troops and what's incredible is what from a Christian perspective looks as though looks at the way that God appears to have responded to the prayers of the British people because Hitler made a very strange decision to halt the advance when he could have crushed the, the, the remnant of the French army that was trapped plus the whole of the British army he decided to stop and consult with his generals much to their fury and he gave us time to execute this evacuation also whilst there was bad weather where the German Luftwaffe were based uh, causing most of them to be grounded there was great weather on the in terms of the activity at, on the, of the sea it was very flat if you look at pictures of Dunkirk you'll see the water is very flat enabling the evacuation to take place so it's a remarkable story of what can be achieved God created the environment but it needed the humans to fulfill their role if they'd stayed back in Britain God affecting the weather and Hitler's decision making would have had no impact. It needed the humans to work in conjunction with God and this incredible story that means so much to the British culture um, became a, a wonderful reality that we can celebrate 80 years later. So in conclusion then there is undoubtedly suffering in the world and COVID-19 has caused a lot of uh, distress both to individuals and to society around the world as a whole and there are many other types of disorder which affect uh, a wide scale or just individuals on their own but the clear message of the bible is that God is a God of order God is a God who wants to overcome disorder which is evidenced in disease natural disaster etc so if we are to have reflect the image of Jesus to go back to that original um, commission given to humans to be the image bearers of God then we must challenge disorder as much as we are able in the privileged position we have of living within the kingdom of God um, reconciled to Jesus and to one another so whether it's poverty cruelty environmental damage whatever it may be um, it's our duty to uh, to do what we can to demonstrate to the world that God is a God of love and he is a God who is working through us to one day get to a situation where Jesus can return and bring about the, uh, the full restoration. But until then, the work of hope being uh, a great example, but the, the good 
ordering we can do can take many forms both collectively and uh, individually but I think that is the the ultimate response for us is to be faithful to be grateful and to imitate as much as we can the work of Jesus looking forward to the ultimate manifestation of God's incredible plan of uh, rescuing the world and making it once more good thank you thanks Thanks very much, Chris. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> the thing you said near the end there that touched me the most was um, that, that people that follow Jesus have a responsibility to challenge disorder. And we follow him as he challenged disorder, then that's something for us to imitate. But I'm not going to comment too much on that now because we're going to go more or less straight into our second class by Simon. And then after that, we'll have the opportunity, for those of you who may have joined us in the meantime, we'll be, we'll be separating into groups of nine or so for discussion in breakout rooms, which I'll explain a bit more about after Simon's lesson. By the way, if you've been sitting down for 15 minutes and uh, you might need a stretch or something, help your concentration, uh, it might help you. <clears throat> uh, sometimes we need a little bit of a brain break from between things. Um, but thank you, Chris. Now, the next lesson is Simon Dinning. So uh, his is recorded. So it's on the slide here and I'll do the slide sh the uh, screen share again. And you'll have a few minutes of Simon in his shed, uh, in his color coordinated shed, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. So thank you, Simon, in advance for uh, putting this lesson out there for us. So let me go ahead and share my screen and we'll go into this next Next lesson. To this teaching day, it's so good to have you all joined with us today. Uh, it's been such an exciting project to be part a part of, and I'm so glad so many people could sign up to talk about the things we're going to talk about today. So great to have this opportunity. And what I want to look at, and thanks to Chris for what he shared, is why do these things happen? So why do these things specifically, COVID-19? Why do these things happen? Why would God allow these things? or send these things deliberately upon us at this particular point in time? How can we understand our current situation? Well, before I go on, what I would like to just say is that COVID-19 causes suffering, and for that reason, I think we can extrapolate out the conclusions we have about COVID, sometimes to just suffering in general. So it answers the suffering question in general. I just want to start also by saying, if you have been through a lot of pain because of COVID-19, I really do understand. I lost my stepdad at the end of last year in, in pretty devastating circumstances. And I had to seek God's will on that and pray to understand why would God let that happen or made it happen, let it happen. And I had to work that out. And that was painful and still feels a little painful. So I do understand if you're going through these troubles. But we look at this question today, why do these things happen? And to do that, I want to just consider three, two options mainly with a little side option. The first option really is, and first of all, I'd like to just say that if you don't agree with these options, that's absolutely fine. It's not a salvation issue. And if you think differently, that's not a big deal. But here's what I believe. And here's the options. First of all, the options, first of all, is that God directly caused this as an act of judgment. The second option is that he allowed it to happen and didn't directly cause it. And the third option is not an option so much as it's based on the last two, which is, well, why would God let this virus or bacteria exist at all? Why does it even exist? Why does it even need to exist? Why did God let it exist? So the first option is why would God or did God directly send the COVID-19 as an act of judgment? 
God did send pestilence as an act of judgment. Um, scriptural references to see there is Ezekiel 14.21, Leviticus 26.25, and Numbers 14 verse 12. Ezekiel 14 verse 21 tells us this is what the Sovereign Lord says, How much worse will it be when I send against Jerusalem my four dreadful judgments, sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague? In many other places, it's only the three that are mentioned, sword, famine, and plague. So these are one of the big three things that God sent. So he did send it as a direct act of judgment in the Old Testament at times, but a few points to consider. And we'll look at these very briefly, and I would encourage you to look into the references some more yourselves. A few points to consider. Firstly, illness is not always from God. In 2 Kings 13 verse 14, Elisha, who was a man of God, doing the will of God right to the end of his life, came down with an illness that he ended up dying from. So it was very clear at this point as a man of God that God did not send that as an act of judgment. When it was a direct act of judgment, God often tells us, I personally seem to feel from looking at scriptures, he always seemed to give the reason for the judgment and its intended purposes. Ezekiel 14 verse 23, the verse we just looked at in Ezekiel 14, it says you will know why. At the end when all this happens, he says to, Ezekiel says to the people, you will know why this has happened in verse 23. When, when I do this, you'll know what the reason was. You'll know that it was me that did it. Leviticus 26, 25, again, look up these references. It says, if, if, if you remain hostile, if you refuse to listen, if you do not accept correction, then the pestilence will come. In other words, it's a response to actions that I'm telling you about ahead of time. So when it does happen, you'll know that I told you this would happen. So God often, if not always, told us the reason for the judgment being sent, the illness as a result of judgment. Um, the other thing is one of the big three, the sword, famine, and plague, were his intended acts of di direct judgment. When was the last time you heard someone saying about famine being a judgment of God? It's not often said Africa and many places in the world suffer famines regularly, yet we don't look at it and say this is a direct act of punishment from God, yet it was described as such in the Old Testament. So it's not always used as an act of judgment. Another thought is Jesus corrects in the New Testament, the neat cause and effect of why bad things happen. In John 9, when his apostles asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because he sinned or his parents sinned? Jesus said, no, it's not about his sin. It's an act. God is being revealed in his life through it, but it's not because of sin. Luke 13, verses 1 to 3, we know very well about the tar of Siloam that fell on people, the people that Pilate had mixed the blood with the sacrifices. Horrendous, horrible things, and the people... Jesus preempted that the people were going to ask, why do these terrible things happen? He says, do you think it was because of their sin? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all perish. Jesus said, I tell you no. That's not the reason. It's not necessarily a direct act of judgment. So Jesus deals with the neat cause and effect that they could have, the apostles, and we can have this happen for this reason. Jesus says, not necessarily. So the other thing, Jesus healed every disease and sickness. It tells us in Matthew 4.23, Matthew 9.35, Matthew 10 verse 1, that Jesus went around and healed every disease and sickness. Every disease and sickness. Would it seem likely that God sent the sickness as an act of judgment only for Jesus then to come and remove it again? Not necessarily. The sin was not necessarily, or the illness, sorry, was not necessarily an act of judgment in that instance. The other point is that there's no direct mention in the Bible of COVID-19, of viruses by name as such. 
Yes, they're mentioned in Matthew 24 generally, but they're mentioned generally as birth pains and not specifically by name or their intended punishment and for what reason. So that's just some points to consider about why I personally feel we cannot attribute this as a direct act of judgment from God. You may believe them things, that's okay to believe them things, but personally from seeing this, I don't see any clear explicit reason. And for these points, I think it's more likely that the second option is is, is more likely that God allowed this to happen. As a direct result of not causing it, clearly he's allowed it because he's an all-powerful God. Now, before I give us an explanation of why God would allow it, I just want to give us a quick little run-through on why have viruses or bacteria at all? Why even allow them? Well, viruses and bacteria are important beneficial microbes for human health and agriculture and also for other reasons. While humans can't live without carbon, nitrogen, protection from disease, ability to digest food, we rely upon bacteria and viruses in order to do them things, in order to keep us healthy. Without them, after a year, without bacteria, photosynthesis would likely cease. Advanced exist, existence of advanced, advanced life form would be dependent on bacteria and viruses. They're responsible for putting nitrogen into the, nitrogen into the soil, um, producing vitamin K in our bodies, keeping the carbon cycle in balance. It basically means that viruses and bacteria are not just altogether evil things, entities with no intended purpose. But just like DNA, God has allowed things to naturally come up, disorder to come about. Again, with DNA replication, it causes human diseases once it's left its own devices to some extent. So these things have a purpose and they're not necessarily inherently evil and bad in themselves. They have an intended purpose also. So that's just a little bit on that. But why would God, as I said, allow these things to happen? That is the question. If you didn't Send it, why a lie? Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. It tells us in these passages that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So it puts a great perspective here on the fact that God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts than our thoughts. God can see the end from the beginning. He knows things that we don't know and he can see outcomes that we don't yet see regarding suffering and specifically COVID-19. But why allow suffering? We can't say for sure, but just some thoughts on why God could allow suffering and what good comes about via suffering, and in this instance, specifically COVID-19. Number one, suffering, COVID-19 maybe for us, orientates us to the more important things in our lives. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse an otherwise deaf world. That was from C.S. Lewis. Pain makes us attend to things we may otherwise ignore. As a physio, I need to reproduce pain. I tell my patients this because it helps me know the structure at fault, why it's happening that way so we can solve the problem. What's changed for us during this pandemic? Many people I've spoken to and I've seen online have had, had increased focus on the more important things in their life. Family, time with their wife, time with their children, the valuable things in life that they should appreciate more than they did before. Yes, the COVID-19 and the lockdown brought stress and anxiety, but they enjoyed the pleasure in the more important things in life that they hadn't considered just as important before that took place. There's an increased number of people asking spiritual questions, seeking God. Bible searches online have never been so high. Bible seals have never been so high. 
Um, we've heard about more and more baptisms into Christ during this time. A couple of teens from Belfast, um, some of them have been studying for a while, got baptized during this particular period of time as well. So it seems like people are beginning to orientate themselves to what the truly important things in life are as a result of this period of time, which, as many would say, has been a time of suffering, potentially. The second thing, it reveals our need for God. One of the things I realize about life is comfort obscures the truth. So when we're comfortable, we don't achieve very much. We don't get very far with any potential projects we've been considered. When we're comfortable, we don't strive after very much. The reality is, this time has demonstrated to us our vulnerability. Have you sensed our increased vulnerability on this spinning planet in these fragile bodies? Are we reliant on all these things that all of a sudden have been removed? So we realize we're not in control. And the reality of our situation dawns on us. We realize we need God. We need him more than we ever realized we did before. Disease was an incredible opportunity for people. In the scriptures, you'll have heard of King Asa. King Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, he fell sick. And God had said to him, this is an opportunity for you to seek me and find what you're missing here. The sickness could have resulted in that, but for him it didn't. The same thing befell Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32. Hezekiah fell sick and he prayed out to God in his sickness and God gave him more time because he responded in the right way to his suffering. An incredible reference to that, Isaiah 38 verse 17. Isaiah or Hezekiah says, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. He reflected on his troubles and he realized the benefit that it had brought him. The next point is that it demonstrates how much God cares. It's the best answer to the problem of suffering is that God suffered the most intense death and the witnessing of his son being punished for us that you could probably ever experience. God suffered intensely for us, which helps us to understand why suffering. Why is suffering needed? Why COVID-19? Why any form of suffering? God shows the necessity of suffering by having to go through it ourselves himself to to free us from that suffering. God removed our suffering by suffering for us. He demonstrated how much he loved us because then he can know how it feels, but also showed us the necessity of suffering by being beaten, mocked and ridiculed and put to death on our behalf. It's the best explanation for the cause, the reasons for suffering. So with this in mind, I say to us today, it's not so much about why the coronavirus has come, but it's much more about our response to this. In other words, it can be a tremendous and unique opportunity for us. Just a few things to share from my own life that have happened as a result of this time that would never have happened otherwise. One year ago, I did a YouTube video to try and get a YouTube channel going. I watched it back. The light was bad. The sound was bad. I looked bad. I didn't like it. I didn't want to do one again. That was it. A year later, this time, as a result of COVID-19, the lockdown, the pandemic, I set up my YouTube channel and I went for it again. Something I thought I would never do. Up to now, there's over 6,000 views in two months on the Isaiah series that I've set up. I've had messages from all around the world saying how much this series has helped them. I've had contact from many non-Christians asking questions about God. Um, I've even, and this is the incredible one, started to monetize what I did over on Patreon. I've started to monetize what I do, potentially meaning that the dream I've had for a long time of working in the ministry to some level may be a reality in the future. I has kick-started things I would never have done otherwise. 
It's been an incredible time for me and I never would have dreamt this would have happened. What has happened for you so far? What could God have been doing? And maybe you've already realized this. What could he be doing through the suffering and the COVID-19 experience that many of us have had? What is it that he's trying to do in our lives? Again, having simply allowed more likely the COVID-19 in our lives. I'll just say to us today, we may need to view this time differently than we already have, or maybe even more than we already have. So thanks for joining me today. This is just some thoughts on God, for me, didn't necessarily directly send COVID-19 as a punishment, but it's more likely that he allowed it. His ways are higher than our ways, and he knows the end from the beginning and what this suffering can achieve for us. There's many potential good reasons for allowing this to happen. God grieves with those who are grieving. He showed it through what he experienced on our behalf. And also, and I pray we all experience this, this can be a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for us all to find God in a unique and great way and to do incredible things in our life. I do hope we enjoy the discussion. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Amen. Simon. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not going to say a lot now, except to say thank you to Chris and Simon again, but to say that we're now going to open things up for uh, discussion groups. And let me explain those groups. So the pictures, the questions we're going to be using as starter questions for our discussions are on the screen and they'll they're also on the handout, I think, that was sent around the PDF. Yes, that's right, on the PDF. And they are, um, we'll, we'll put them in the chat box as well. But they're just starter questions. And let me come out of that for a moment to uh, to chat here for a bit. Okay, so um, here's how the groups will work. I'm going to open up breakout rooms. And everybody here is going to be randomly allocated. Uh, there's so many of us, it would take too long to put us in particular rooms. So you'll be randomly allocated to rooms of about nine people each, thereabouts. And I've got, I've asked some people to be room discussion moderators, so you know who you are, and they'll coordinate the discussion there. The idea is to, to, to talk about whatever's, whatever particular reaction we have to what Chris and Simon uh, were saying there. If I could ask us um, something that I suppose is obvious, but just to state it, in these discussion breakout rooms, it's important that we get a chance to hear from everybody because we're here to learn from one another as much as to express what we think. And so if I can ask us to, you know, we'll have about 20 minutes. Uh, so it's important that we don't dominate uh, a breakout room. So just be self-disciplined with that and allow a moderator to interrupt you if they need to, to move things along so that everybody gets a chance. Okay, it's just so that everybody gets a chance to, to share if they want to. You don't have to, if you want to be passive, that's okay as well. Um, but let's learn from each other. There's a great deal of wisdom here today looking at the, uh, the four screens worth of people. I don't know how many people are here. Oh, 80. Okay, we've got 80 people here. So that's uh, nine rooms, I think. Um, wonderful to have you all here. So uh, let me press the right buttons i hope to get us into our breakout rooms and i'll i'll put a warning uh into the rooms uh, with about a minute or two to go before we all come back together just to wrap up and have a prayer at the end but um uh, we can catch up a little bit i will leave the meeting open for a while so we can catch up some more in a few minutes um i just wanted to say thank you to simon and chris again and i'm going to wrap up and we'll have a prayer and then i'll just leave it open for further chat and catch up if you like um but I want to thank everybody for attending today. It's actually brilliant to see you all. There's about 80 of us on this call. 
and uh, there's something about connecting from uh, uh, different countries and some of us seeing old friends we haven't seen for a while and many of us with very different haircuts um, uh, partly by choice sometimes and sometimes not but uh, nonetheless it's great to see everybody and it's great to be able to discuss things and I, I know for a lot of us we were in breakout rooms with people actually we might not even know at all or hardly at all but there's something refreshing I think for us to be outside of our normal context of friendships and discussions to hear other points of view so I hope you got something useful out of the uh, discussion groups um, the recordings are online the, of, of what Chris and Simon shared. They're on my YouTube channel and the Thames Valley YouTube channel. I believe the links have been sent out, but if you don't have those, let me know and I'll make sure you get those. You can listen to them again if you want or share them on your own socials, as they call them, uh, to uh, for other people. If you've got any comments on today specifically about content or uh, the way we did things or uh, what Chris and Simon shared you'd like to feed back to them if you know them personally you can just feed it back to them but if you want to send a message to all of us who've been organizing this then you can either contact me if you've got my e uh, contact details or any of the brothers that have been helping with this or you can send them an email to the Thames Valley email official email address the church email address if you'd like to which is tvcochrist at gmail.com that's tvcochrist at gmail.com so do give us some feedback uh, we want to approve things for next week and the week after where we can talking of next week we're going to do this again next week 11 o'clock again next week Andy Azilo and Rob Payne will be giving presentations and I think Rob's involving a couple of extra people as well um, and that's more focused on on uh, how do we live now so today was more focused on God and the topics of suffering and the theology of that. Next week is more about how do we live now in, in light of perhaps what we've talked about today um, and the situation we find ourselves in. So how does this change the way that we live? And then in two weeks time, Andy Boachi and myself will be speaking on trying to look forward, peering into the mist of what might this mean for followers of Jesus going forward into the future. And uh, we'll be speculating a little bit there, but hopefully in a creative and helpful way. So that's the next uh, couple of weeks coming up. And registration for those events is on the same Eventbrite site that you must have found this on, I'm sure. Um, if I could ask one favor, which is if you've found value in what we've done today, then please tell somebody. Uh, tell somebody, tell one person, that's it, over the next few days, one person who you think might benefit uh, from a session like this. Um, I'm sure we all know at least one. So perhaps if we could all do that. It's not about the numbers. It's just making sure people get to know about it if they'd like to uh, like to be involved. So that's that. Good. Um, I think unless there's something anybody wants to share that's urgent or particularly pressing, I'm going to ask somebody to pray. And then that'll finish the official part of the meeting. And then I'll leave it open. Um, could I ask... Could I ask Claudine... Dr. Claudine, would you be willing to pray for us? You have to unmute yourself first, though. You don't have to. I'm putting no pressure on you in front of 80 people. <laughs> don't worry about it. No problem, Malcolm. That's okay, fine. if you pray, that'd be great. Thank you. All right. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much for this amazing time where we can come together and just learn more about you and try to understand more about who you are, God. We are all... I think most of us are clear that 
there's no one answer to these questions, but it just gives us time to ponder and to think and to really try and seek out your heart and your will for us. God, I just thank you for the people that spoke today. It's given me so much to think about, God. Most importantly, just that Jesus was always concerned about people who were in pain and people who were suffering. And he always provided compassion for them, God. And I pray that each and every person here can have that same heart. And God, maybe we'll never know, be able to figure out whether or not you allow something to happen or you will it to happen. But God, I, I pray that we will all continue to really try and seek out your face, try and understand how you want each and every one of us to live every day in this world, how you want us to act out your faith, and how you want us to emulate the heart that you have for people, God, your love for us. God, most importantly, I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for us, God, to create order out of chaos, God. Mm. Help each and every one of us to, um, to be able to have the opportunity to have a relationship with you, God. Lord, I really pray that these teaching days will continue. I'm just so encouraged. My heart is so lifted just to be able to have this opportunity, God. And I, I really pray that um, we'll continue to do this and be able to make it work. And I pray that all of us can support that in any way that we're able, God. Thank you so much for this time. I pray that everyone has an amazing day doing whatever in a socially distanced, safe way as is appropriate, God. Um, and I really pray that you bless each and every person, Lord, um, that they can continue to grow and really think about what they've learned today and what are the things and ponder on the things that we've gone through. Thank you so much for the way you bless us, God. And it's in your precious son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Claudine. Right, you can feel free to unmute yourself if you like and have a chat and catch up. And um, I'll leave the meeting open for a little while. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.